Hi, this is Annabelle, founder of Gentacle, and you're listening to Function 5.0, the number one podcast on next-generation SAP Enterprise Asset Management. This first episode is on the SAP Predictive Engineering Insights and the role of digital twin technology in problem solving. Without further ado, let's welcome two thought leaders in the design and applications of physics-based simulation software. Vatsan Govindarajan and Arnulf Hagen. My name is Vatsan Govindarajan. I've been at SAP since 2002, so close to 16 years now. Had all kinds of roles, including corporate strategy, product development, and I am heading the digital twin from a perspective of the high-fidelity digital twin that we develop with sensor-driven analytics, so to say. And the second piece of digital twin that I'm heading is our team in New Zealand, which is based on the acquisition of the right hemisphere that happened in 2012. I'm Arnold Hagen. I have been the managing director of FEDEM since 2013 and was responsible for developing the business plan that ended with the acquisition by SAP of FedEM technology in 2016 and uh, continued so until the uh, merger that took place this summer. Since then, I'm a chief scientist focusing on theoretical and methodological development of the digital twin in SAP, the high-fidelity digital twin, as uh, Watson said, as well as other physics-based methods in the PEI. Thank you very much. Back in March this year, SAP announced the launch of SAP Predictive Engineering Insights, which is referred to as PEI. But what really is SAP Predictive Engineering Insights and what's the role of digital twin technology in this solution? Let me start. The work on Predictive Engineering Insights started two years back when SAP acquired FEDEM. And uh, we strongly believed in a strategy that if SAP or if any, with the advent of digital transformation, if one wants to bridge the divide between the physical and the digital world, you know, as an IT and OT, so physical and the digital world, if, it, if you need to bridge the gap between these two, we need to understand the physics behind the physical world, because the physical world is very deterministic. And that was our starting point where we want to model the physical reality in the digital world and, and thereby the digital twin. And our digital twin strategy from, a, from an asset management perspective was not just, you know, not just having a model. We wanted to have a digital twin that could mimic the behavior of the physical world using engineering analysis, using simulation tools that are already available. And FEDEM was a good starting point there because FEDEM had uh, multi-body dynamics or had a lot of experience in structural analysis to be able to help us get into the space. So that is what happened over the last two years with Predictive Engineering Insights, where FEDEM simulation was built into the SAP Predictive Engineering Insights because FEDEM focused only on structures. Recently, we announced a big partnership also with ANSYS to really exponentially increase the capabilities of predictive engineering insights into all kinds of engineering domains like fluid dynamics, thermodynamics, semiconductors, entire multi-physics, so that you can address a very, very broad variety of use cases in asset management. It's very interesting that it will help customers bridge the gaps between the physical world and the digital world. 
But how precisely will this technology help customers run their assets better? All users of industrial assets uh, will have to, at all times, rely on observation in order to make sure that it runs proper and that nothing goes wrong uh, unexpectedly. Old machinists on the old chips they used to listen to the engine in order to find out if something was, everything was okay inside the engine. This has further developed uh, now into, uh, into the situation where there is an almost viral spread of sensors. And combining that with connectivity, all these signals are then received by something. But this something needs to make sense out of it, just like the engine operator in this ship. One way of doing that is with statistics or uh, more advanced machine learning methods to find out if something, whatever it is, is uh, strange. Another way of doing that is to use the knowledge we have of physical behavior and the asset itself to refine these sensor signals into uh, interpretable knowledge that either a human can use or a machine can use in order to trigger some uh, action if something goes wrong and also be able to understand more precisely what is wrong than one would have by simply monitoring uh, disparate sensor signal. So uh, the whole essence of PEI is to make sense out of observations. And this sense is made by using engineering methods, which in essence then, again, is based on the physics. That was the starting point of it all. Use the physics and knowledge of the asset to give rich understanding. And this we call digital twin. So for customers, can they use such models then for predictive maintenance, for example? I guess that's going to be one of the main use cases for this technology. The use of this information, it can take different routes, but obviously knowing how when something is starting to go wrong is essential when we're talking about predictive maintenance. So definitely this is one of the first use cases. But it's also possible to use this information to alert if something is suddenly going wrong, like if a bridge or a structure has suddenly changed behavior. But the predictive maintenance, of course, is essential. So just to add to that, I think the predictive maintenance is one piece, right, into predictive maintenance. What we want to go is to move from predictive maintenance and raise the game to prescriptive maintenance. And by prescriptive, I mean it is not just about predicting that there is a failure that could happen, but exactly specify what exactly the failure about and which components are affected by this failure because of which there is a maintenance required, what exactly can be done about this to increase the lifetime of this asset, and then even go beyond using simulation saying, how can you avoid this problem in the future in the long term? And that level of intelligence is what we want to provide, and that is exactly what we can provide with physics-based monitoring. In that case, prescriptive maintenance is even more advanced step compared to predictive maintenance. Do we still have a lot of people already working at this level? One question that a lot of people have is who are the early adopters of this technology? What types of companies are implementing pilot projects? And what business value or return on investment they have obtained by adopting the technology? What we see in condition monitoring cases, because sensors have been there for quite some time the last few years, 
the primary use cases are about you know getting sensor data and doing some kind of analysis on the sensor use on the sensor data. What we see customers are evolving their need from simple condition monitoring to a much more sophisticated model-based monitoring. So we really see the customers seeking much more business value from it and the kind of business value that can be delivered only by simulation-based monitoring or only by digital trends. So the kind of use cases we target is like in case of wind, where we really see several applications in remote wind farms where customers really believe the need for sophisticated capabilities in observing the physical asset remotely. Oil and gas is another case where we see upstream as well as downstream. Even in case of downstream, finally, some of the problems customers come up with is how can you predict corrosion of assets, for instance? Physical phenomena like corrosion is something that makes a lot of sense to do it using physical methods like this. So as customers are becoming more and more aware of the capabilities that we offer, even the use cases that we are asked to solve is becoming more and more sophisticated. At the moment, it's more from what I can understand is used more in extreme environments. You spoke about wind farms, even downstream or upstream cases. A bit uh, earlier about bridges, uh, corrosion problems. So I guess these environments are more extreme. How does this solution apply to people whose problems aren't as extreme? There are also cases where there are simple compressors where we've been asked to monitor simple assets. I think in the beginning, in case any technology that comes ahead, what we see is usually you try to apply it to use cases where you can deliver, you know, where you can solve a very, very critical problem. And then over a period of time, you would see the application being applied even to simplistic, much less mission critical issues over a period of time. So it is just an evolution of the technology and the use cases that we will see over the next three to five years. So at the moment, it is more sophisticated use cases, but eventually I would expect that almost much more simpler assets will be monitored using this kind of technology. How does your technology stack up against competitors in the market? Why is your approach better? It's not, this technology is not quite new. It's been used before, and so why should the customer choose SAP specifically? I think it's not so much about the technology, it's the combination of aspects that we are bringing together. So we have not seen, or to our knowledge, sensor data in combination with an engineering model being simulated in real time on or using a simulation engine, engineering simulation engine, on a big data cloud environment that is deeply integrated into a world-leading asset management portfolio. So that clearly is a very strong value proposition that SAP brings to the table together with Amazon. And we do believe that the combination of assets, you know, world-leading simulation software together with world-leading asset management that SAP has, including, you know, SAP's cloud capabilities and big data capabilities that SAP brings to the table, this is really a very strong value that we can provide to the customers. One of the main values is the integration with the whole enterprise asset management ecosystem, correct? Exactly. So we use the the data models that we use are integrated with the SAP's asset core, for instance. We also have an integration with credit to maintenance where we can combine what we do with engineering models with machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence-based models, which are very complementary to each other, and you can really combine these two to deliver very valuable insights. 
And then if you have something like this integrated with the asset intelligence network and integrated with, a, with an enterprise suite that SAP provides where you're integrating the insights that you get into and making it actionable through integration with SAP's business suite. And that is where real value lies because it does not remain a siloed system anymore. You can really convert insight into action. There's more than integration. Our next generation asset management portfolio consists of four key products. The first product is asset intelligence network. The second product is asset strategy and performance management. The third product is predictive maintenance and service. And the fourth one is predictive engineering insights. So all these four products are cloud products that really help our customers in um, through their digital transformation journey in asset management. This is a suite of products that SAP has, and predictive engineering is a key pillar to these in this suite. So the asset central is the central component of the digital core, and that means the register of asset data, correct? All the asset information shared amongst the different uh, components. That is right. Asset Core remains the central repository of all assets for a variety of uh, applications. So, any if you're using, let us say, application asset intelligence network, then you move on to predictive engineering insights. You don't have to redo the entire master data because everything is integrated with Asset Core. It is very you can easily start because there is just one repository of it. Regarding SAP predictive engineering insights and the fact that customers are digitizing their assets. What are the low-hanging fruits that customers should aim for when they initially embark on the journey of digitizing their assets? Back again to what I said, the users, customers, uh, any owner of assets is faced with almost exponentially growing chunk or stream of signals from their assets. So their assets is like yelling all these kinds of messages in all these different kinds of languages. And it's becoming a rapidly increasing problem to understand what to do with all these signals. So I think in general, what we can do is make sense out of these signals, reduce this flow of uh, information and make it legible and uh, reduce the volume so that it's uh, possible to take action in a better way than now. This is the general thing. If somebody is faced with almost inability to act because it's uh, not possible to uh, organize these all these kinds of observations, we can simplify it using a model-based approach. And this model-based approach may be used for simple alerting. There have been some incidents now on structures falling down, like the event in, in Italy. These events are possible to detect if it's done in the proper way, but it needs to be done in a proper way. Signals need to be translated into something that humans can understand. This is what I think is, the, in general, the lowest hanging fruit simply make sense out of uh, all this information and then implement uh, fairly simple ac- uh, alerting or simple actions or even give the engineers that work with these assets new instruments to uh, understand the behavior of what is going on with their assets. Just to add to that, I believe almost everything at the moment is a low-hanging fruit because we are very much 
in the beginning of tomorrow, so to say. You know, a beginning of a world as we would know it five years from now is going to be very different from the way things are being done now. I think most of asset monitoring is very rudimentary and we see many customers trying to do experimentation with a wide variety of use cases. The way technologies are converging, including cloud, big data, engineering simulation, and the asset management portfolio that we talked about, there is a, the, uh, the convergence of all these together at this point of time is going to result in a completely new way of monitoring assets than we ever could imagine. So I think this could be applied to almost any kind of asset categories, and I do believe you can deliver tremendous value. I think five to ten years from now, I would assume that people would not be able to imagine not having these kind of sophisticated methodologies to monitor assets. This would just become the new normal. So if customers want to now start with this technology, how should they go about building the digital twin? How exactly are the relationships between SAP, FedM, ANSYS? Will SAP be the single point of contact or the customer has to collaborate with the manufacturer of the asset and ANSYS? How can they build the digital twin? From an interaction model, the product is being sold by SAP, so the customer would interact with SAP. And then we would engage our partner together for their expertise to ensure that we deliver the value from the product. So the primary point of engagement is SAP for the customer. So regarding your second question, you know, the way they have to go to the manufacturer, I think this question has been raised a couple of times that will the manufacturer share the designs, you know, will they share their the model information? We have seen several cases where there has been no hesitation for a customer to, to be able to approach their manufacturers. There are several reasons for it. Maybe Arnold, maybe you can provide some details on the reduce or model discussion that we had yesterday. There is a legitimate concern from manufacturers regarding the production or the concept of digital twins because it implies that information about the product is transferred to somebody whether that is SAP who hosts a model or the customer who can do something with it. And by doing so, it's uh, the further concern is then that the IP will leak together with this model. Most of this is related to geometric information, material properties, uh, details in the control system, uh, mechanisms, how they work. And that is not necessarily needed in producing a digital twin. In FedM, this, uh, this product may be reduced to a mathematical representation, a set of matrices. No geometry is in reality needed. And in ANSYS, this uh, system may be reduced to runtime and a program, a reduced order model running like a program where all the IP-sensitive stuff is either left out or is embedded in code. In one sense, it's a black box that prohibits reverse engineering of the product, while at the same time, its main behavior is open to the user. So from our perspective, it's a win-win. So basically, you get most of the data for the modeling. You are able to get it directly from the customer and the manufacturer, correct? In most cases now with modern, uh, well, with assets built for industrial use or any use now, you will have some sort of CAD model to start with. 
And this CAD model is the origin of the digital twin. But uh, it will then be manipulated so that only the relevant information is taken out. And uh, this uh, relevant information may not uh, be that IP sensitive. In new build or in the systems that come uh, online now, it will come from the manufacturer. On old system, one needs maybe to engineer it or to just represent it by using drawings and knowledge about material properties. It's a different story. But uh, more and more, the information will already be residing some way or another with the manufacturer. So just to specify, at the moment, all the signals are come from the sensors or are there any other kinds of signals that are used? Does it all come from the sensors? It's an important question. I think that we're not sensors, are uh, simply sources of information. And uh, of course, there are other sources of information. There are control systems that already pick up signals or have information about the operational condition. This is something that will be used in a predictive engineering insights context. There may be information from uh, outside sources, like uh, the weather, or like uh, we have been looking into satellite information or traffic information in order to understand the responses in bridges. Sensors are simply one main source that is needed to understand the physical behavior of a thing. But to make sense out of it, one will gradually in, uh, integrate more and more information from various sources to refine further and provide deeper insights and more knowledge out of the insights. And the ultimate goal of the whole thing, we're often talking about applications, but the ultimate goal of the digital twin uh, as it started was simply to go back to what Watson said, create a bridge between the physical world and the digital. And in order to do that, the digital world, the more deep insight it has uh, into the physical world, the more it is able to make sense out of it and produce actions based on this insight. A long answer to your short question. There are definitely more uh, sources than sensors, and uh, they will gradually come online, and we've already started working on them. That sounds very, very interesting. My last question would be, what are some of the planned innovations for SAP Predictive Engineering Insights? And what is the product roadmap for the next few quarters? A lot of focus at the moment is completing the embedding of ANSYS runtime into the PEI stack. So that is pretty much a big chunk of our focus. We are also delivering new applications for vibration analysis, which is not completely focused on digital twin, but physics-based analysis of vibration, which includes mostly frequency domain. And in addition, some of the research work that we are doing a lot of it is focused on new use cases that we have, some of which perhaps this is not directly as a part of the roadmap, but these are use cases because the product development has multiple things. One is, what are the things that we are actually have tested and now we can productize? But prior to that, we do several things to make sure that the ideas that we have for productization is you know is is being tested and is validated. And one of the examples that I can give you is what Arnold is leading in the case of monitoring of bridges. 
and this is not being productized. It's not a concrete part of the roadmap, but this is still being validated. So from a roadmap perspective, if I have to give you, I think some of the things that we're doing at the moment, which is planned for the November release, is vibration analysis with frequency spectrums and spectrograms, embedding of the digital twin runtime, alert creation based on frequency spectrum envelopes, and of course, integration that we keep doing integration with the asset central and the asset portfolio initially. Following that, in 2019, February, we are planning to further embed the next round of ANSYS digital twin deployment for condition monitoring. We plan also to have frequency domain failure mode analysis in February 2019, enhanced integration with ACID Central with indicators, and integration of SAP IoT services for data ingestion. And of course, we also want to plan a common launch pad with the ACID Central by February. And following that, some of the things we are planning in May is, of course, hybrid time and frequency domain analysis, modal response analysis, root cause analysis, and, of course, combined scenarios together with the city predictive maintenance and service for alerts. I'd like to thank you very much for your time. That's all for today's episode. Visit gentacle.com to join the conversation and read the interview blog. We are also on LinkedIn and Twitter at Gentacle. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time.